Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor, and presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at RespectSextet.com, and they've got a lot of really cool records, and you should buy them all just because it's the right thing to do. And thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo and who tweets about things in a funny way, significantly funnier than that just made it sound, at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. So uh, a a friend of mine referred to uh, the snowballing effect of membership that's been happening, and that's absolutely true. Last week we had nine new members, I guess in the last like seven or eight days, which is fantastic. So the show is now, I believe, at 52 members. Uh, which means we are finally over the halfway point, which is awesome. Uh, there are about 42 or 43 days left until the 300th show, and you can help get us the rest of the way there by becoming a member for as little as 10 bucks a month. Of course, you can do it at one of the higher membership levels too. If you come in at the highest monthly or yearly level, you can become an official sponsor like Matt Rock. But really, the, the lowest level is fine too. Everything counts as a membership, and it's uh, certainly appreciated. I want to thank the people who've joined most recently, uh, and they are Steve Huff, Chris Kelsey, who's been on the show, and uh, Matt Shipp, who's also been on the show. He's been on the show twice, actually. So thanks to them. It's so great when uh, past guests come on the show. And now all of the guests named Shipp are members, uh, both Matt and James. So 100% of the past guests whose last name is Shipp are now members of the show, which is fantastic. My guest right now is uh, a young musician who's just released his debut recording on the Brooklyn Jazz Underground record label. His name is Nadav Remez, and uh, here's music from his album so far.
My guest is Nadav Remez, and he has a new record on Brooklyn Jazz Underground Records called So Far. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Pleasure to be here. So I think many people who are listening are probably going to be being introduced to you through this show. So maybe we can start by just telling folks a little bit about about who you are and uh, how you got to uh, what you're doing right now at at NEC. Talk about a little bit about growing up and getting introduced to the music. Yeah, well, I um, started playing guitar when I was about 10 years old. Okay. Actually, uh, once every few months I I, uh, try to... uh, remember whether it was when I was 10 or or 11 and I'm not sure to this day I was trying to track back but I think it was when I was 10 years old Um, and you know I was just uh, like any other uh, teenager in Israel exposed to um, to MTV Europe and I I heard a lot of pop a lot of rock whatever was around as well as uh, Israeli music I was only introduced to jazz when I uh, started high school. I went to Thelma Yaline, uh High School of the Arts uh, in a town called Give a Time. It's kind of like uh, the, I don't want to say the Brooklyn of, of <laughs> Tel Aviv, but it's like a little suburb that's also a part of, of, of the city. Okay. Kind of. Um, and that high school um, is very well known for uh, producing jazz. Uh, Jazz artists that we uh, that we know today, Israeli jazz artists in New York. Many of them came from uh, Thelma Yalin, and that's when I uh, first got introduced to jazz. Um, and did you go to that? So you went to that school just because you were interested in in pursuing playing the guitar, but not specifically to study jazz. Yes, yeah, and <clears throat> they had two majors for music there: the classical and the jazz. Okay. So the the more natural. Uh, uh, thing to me for me to do was was to go to to the jazz program, and that's where uh, where I found out that there's this thing called jazz <laughs> and what it really meant. Okay. Um, and there was a teacher there that um, unfortunately passed away uh, not a long time ago, Amit Golan, and he was the the guru of everyone. Um, he had this um, um, class uh, called History of Jazz. And he had a, a very, very big collection of, of music. He was a jazz uh, collector. He had this little suitcase, very small suitcase. Every week he came with different CDs. And we would just sit there uh, for two hours. I think it was twice a week. Um, you know, about uh, 2 p.m., everyone had their uh, pita with their uh, with their uh, schnitzel in it, with hummus, and we were all sitting and eating and listening to to jazz <laughs> for uh, for three years, three or four years. And did you feel <laughs> when you first started hearing this music like an entirely new world was being introduced to you? Slowly. First, I, I did not understand what it was all about. It took some time. So I was thinking about it today that... The way we listen to uh, to jazz back home in Israel um, evokes different feelings and different emotions than than people here, obviously. Because people who live in New York and are in the jazz scene or or listen to jazz, uh, it, it makes them um, remember different things. For example, when I listen even to Miles, um, it often reminds me of Friday afternoons, Tel Aviv very hot you at the beach then you go home you turn on the radio and there's there's miles there's good jazz and it doesn't remind me anything of new york or didn't remind me anything of new york and it started changing more when i 
when I uh, got here to America and you make more connections in your brain, in your mind, and you, you get to see, you learn how to see the bigger picture um, differently. You know, it's interesting because I've been talking to a lot of people recently about this idea of people in, in Europe and Africa and Asia uh, and South America who play jazz but who did not grow up with a foundation you know, in the blues or what we might consider the traditional kind of antecedents to jazz. Um, and that, that, that improvised music, I think, is completely valid, mm -hmm. even if it doesn't come out of the blues. But it sounds like you have a kind of a curious mix there because you not only have whatever music, you know, in addition to pop and rock music and you have traditional music that you heard growing up, but then you also went through this kind of crash course in like the more traditional approach to listening to jazz. Yeah. So do you see your, and when I listen to your music, I hear it as having, as coming from kind of both sides of that equation. I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, well, um, one of the things that Amit Golan uh, was... Um, teaching us uh, was how to really respect the, the tradition. And I know that some people uh, on this planet, you know, some, 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 some uh, countries, um, they don't necessarily have an Amit Golan. So their approach to, to, uh, uh, to jazz and tradition is a little different. Sometimes it's a little more loose. Also in Israel, there are people who uh, play jazz, but their uh, relationship to tradition is is a little more loose than than how I consider myself. Uh, and I like, you know, I, I love jazz and I love, you know, Bob and everything that happened 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and I definitely try to to use that and, and play play like this in my music, even though sometimes uh, aesthetically speaking, uh, my comp compositions are not really that. They, sure. they, they come from somewhere else. So I kind of try to blend the two things together. Can you talk about how you came to the United States? Uh, with a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was uh, 2005. Um, that was after uh, many years of wanting to, to come here. Um, I moved to Boston and I studied in Berkeley there uh, for uh, two and a half years. It was a great time. And towards the end of that period, I started um, coming up with, with ideas for the album. We're talking about 2007. We are in 2011 now, so uh, it took some time. Um, but yeah, the first few years were just trying to, you know, get a claim. Like, see, see what's going on, who, who, who's against who, 
what uh, uh, and, and how to live here. And then later on, I I, I did my um, masters at uh, New England Conservatory, and that's where I really uh, started writing more for the album and started to get the group together and um, testing the material uh, live, see how it is. Uh, that's pretty much it. So your uh, when you started composing, it was very much with the idea of documenting those compositions on a recording. You were writing with the idea of making an album. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially after like the first one or two tunes, uh, I realized, okay, there's a sound here, and if I can continue composing, you know, with that flavor, with that, uh, you know, the, with the same train of thought then I will get uh, um, a result that, that is uh, very consistent style-wise. Um, and I thought that I came up with something, uh, you know, the, 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 the blend uh, was something that I think was new for me at the time. And so I tried to write more and more uh, the same way. Can you talk about why you decided so I guess there's like a couple ways you could go one is the idea of I'm going to start off with my own expression my own uh, individual recording right away mm-hmm. or then you know the other would be like take the kind of journeyman route where I'm going to you know be the sideman in a bunch of different people's bands and then after some number of years I'm going to put out my own record and you chose the former path can you talk about what your thoughts were around that um yeah well I I, I realized at one point that that I have to take things in charge I can't wait for uh, things to happen and even though I was doing uh, a lot of uh, Simon work uh, lately um still there's something that was burning in me and I realized that that I am the the only one who who needs to do something about it. Uh, it's like a business. You have a you have an idea and you want to pursue the idea, and it's yours. So if you're not going to do it, no one else is going to do it for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, given that so far is your uh, debut recording, is it is it to some degree a not only a snapshot of where you are now, but also telling the musical story of of where you've been? I mean, the title kind of suggests that, for example. Yeah. Uh, and that was uh th- that is one reason why I chose to uh name name the album so far. Um yeah, it is it is um, a very personal album. It is um I also like to see it as a concept album. I know you sw- one in one of your uh, latest podcasts you were talking to uh Julian Lash about uh, his uh, Gladwell right. album. And in in some way um it's it's kind of similar. Uh there is a concept uh, to the album that is, it, it's kind of abstract, I guess. But uh, when you listen to the album from beginning to end, it doesn't just sound like 
song after song after song, but there's a shape and there's a story and the way I chose to, um, like the soloist order throughout the album also has a meaning to it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And how much of that do you imagine that a listener can follow without knowing your intentions? Or how is it important is it to you that they be able to follow the story at all, I guess? Uh, well, I try to mention it whenever I can. So like now is uh, <laughs> sure. one of those times. And, and, and also on the uh, record label's website, um, there is a, uh, a, a nice article about it uh, where I explain, uh, kind of give, you know, give the story, the storyline. Um, and um, it is important, but if um, you choose not to listen to the album this way, it also works uh, song by song. Um, yeah, many concept albums also have, you know, singles right. uh, that work, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. So will you talk about, uh, musically speaking, the kind of through line that runs through the album? Um, well, the first uh, piece um, is a very short one. Uh, it is the, 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 the title track. And it's actually a song that I started writing um, pretty much at the beginning, like when after maybe I was writing one or two tunes. Uh, but I haven't finished writing it until maybe a day before the recording or two <laughs> days before the recordings because I only had the main idea. <clears throat> and I always knew that's like the mood setter for, for the entire album. Sure. Um, but there are two parts to this uh to this piece and I didn't have anything from the second one from from the second uh, part of it and so I had to write it like literally the weekend before I I, uh, I came down to New York to record um, so that's the that's the first uh, piece and then after that there's a couple tracks um, that uh, feature uh, me and Shai the uh, the piano player Shai Maestro uh, so it's only us taking solos uh, on those tunes. Um, so you can look at that part of the album as if it's like a, f a first act or something. And then there's other two tunes where um, uh, the tenor player, Steve Brickman, is featured. Um, the tunes are Last Exile and Untitled. Um, and then the next part... Uh, which is already coming towards the, the ending of the record, uh, feature uh, James Wiley, the alto saxophonist, and the uh, he also plays clarinet on the album. And then the two last tunes, one of them just features the entire band. It's kind of like the climax of the album. Uh, and really everything that comes before that kind of leads to that tune. And the last tune is just me playing uh, a solo piece that I wrote for my uh, late uh, grandfather. Um, and that kind of closes the album uh, with, it's like kind of more like an, an afterthought, I guess.
And so in addition to what you've just described in terms of the solo order and the way that the, the band is, is featured uh, kind of in segments throughout, mm-hmm. did you also include uh, kind of motives or musical through lines that run through the album that if people listen closely they would hear? Repeat? Yeah, however, I think they're a little too hidden uh, to notice um, at first. And sometimes it's technical stuff that the listener wouldn't be able to put their fingers on it, but maybe on the subconscious level, there's something there that, you know, holds the album together uh, with motives coming coming and going. Sure. Yeah. Uh, recently, I seem to be on, just personally speaking, on this kick where I'm, I'm really into beautiful music. Uh, and this album is very, very beautiful. It's really lyrical, um, and it's very kind of open i mean it's it's kind of anthemic in sections but through most of it it's very just open and lyrical and and beautiful and it provides a lot of space uh for the musicians to move around in and i wonder what was that uh, what that was like in terms of the the actual studio session and how you guys kind of interact as a band uh-huh. uh, with all the space that's left in this record um well i actually I, I think everything is structured in the album at least when we were in the studio um, it was very clear what was going on. Sure. I didn't leave too much room there. Um, but when things are as structured as this, that actually gives everyone the space that they need to, uh, to express themselves. Um, it was, sometimes it was even as specific as, okay, this is the shape. Like we're going from point A to point B. And now all you gotta do is take us through it. Uh, that's what I've been telling the the musicians, and fortunately, the musicians on this album, you know, I got the best of the best. Really, everyone, I'm very lucky to have all of them on this album. And when someone knows how to express themselves, and when you have a musician at that level, this is this is what happens. Um, so, so yeah, this it, it was structured. I think though that something in the, uh, in the way I write. Um, the open sections, um, I try to uh, write them in a way that's very um, uh, supportive for the musician, like gives them a lot of room to act. Um, and now when you say this is like uh, uh, an album of beautiful music, I'm, I'm assuming that you mean something that's, yeah, like lyrical and melodic and, and with uh, very consonant harmonies. And this is what I'm going for. Um, I think... 90% of the chords on this album are major and minor chords. <laughs> That's it. There's hardly any chords with tensions. There's not a lot of jazz harmonic structures there. This is something that I took directly from, from rock or from alternative rock. Um, and this is, I think this is something that, that, uh, soloists can really connect to and, 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 and feel free to improvise on. Uh, especially these days, it becomes easier for us to do it. I right. Think. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I've been having some conversations with people recently about that idea and whether whether young musicians need to feel bound by the tradition, which is different than knowing the tradition, but whether you need to feel like that's the vocabulary that you need to use. And obviously, you don't. You didn't feel that way on this record. Like you had to be bound by kind of typical jazz conventions and chord progressions. Not as far as the compositions, at least. But you see, like I didn't even have to say anything to Shy 
uh, or or Steve or James um, for them to actually play some traditional uh, um, music or traditional improvisations uh, on my tunes. It kind of everything just led itself to this. So the fusion was 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 a natural kind of uh, fusion sure. in our case. Well, you mentioned the other people who are on the record too. So James Wiley uh, plays alto and clarinet, and uh, uh, Steve Brickman plays tenor. Shy Maestro plays uh, piano, uh, Fender Rhodes, and organ on the album. Um, who else? Uh, Avri Borokhov plays bass. Uh, Ziv Ravitz plays drums, and we have a special guest, Itamar Borokhov, who is Avri's brother, on trumpet on uh, two tracks. And are, uh, are for the most part, of these folks that you uh, worked with at NEC? Uh, no, actually, n- uh, except James. Okay. James was the only musician on the album who I met at NEC. Uh, Steve, I know through another mutual friend, Michael Thomas, uh, who we used to go to NEC together, and he used to go to uh, uh, U Miami, okay. and that's how we know Steve. Uh, that's how I met him. Uh, the other guys, um, Itamar and Avri, uh, I met in Israel. I've been friends with them for uh, for quite a few years. Okay. Um, before I came to the United States, uh, and Ziv, uh, even though he's from Israel, I I met him maybe uh, four years ago. We were, I was playing in another band. At the Secret Music Project, and we used to play with a percussionist named Itamar Duari, and he had to uh, leave the band to go uh, tour with uh, Vishay Cohen at the time, and so we uh, uh, replaced him with Ziv Ravitz, and that just turned out to be the greatest thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I know Ziv and Shai. With Shai, I actually went to high school. Oh, that's great. Together, uh, we didn't really get to play too much when I was in twelfth grade. I think he was in ninth, or maybe when I was in eleventh grade, he was in ninth grade. Um, so we didn't have a lot of overlapping time. But then um, lately, uh, we get to uh, to play. I wa- I once came to uh, his apartment in Tel Aviv about um, a year ago. Was it a year ago? A year and a half ago, and we just played uh, tracks like tunes from from the album which I had just written. And I love the way he played on him, and I asked him if he wants to uh, to play on the album. That's great. Yeah. When you play this music live, does the character of it change? Yes and no. I mean, the the basic understanding of how this music needs to sound definitely stays. Uh, but it is more open when it's live. Um, we actually played a few shows uh, lately with a, with a very similar group. Um, most, mo- with most of the guys from the album. And so we played at Smalls in April and that show, um, it was, for me, it was an incredible experience because everyone who had already known the music were now ready to take it to the, to the next level. So there was way more interaction and, uh, just the music was just taken off to, uh, to a next level. I do believe that there are many many options that we have now when we play play live that we didn't have before and i'm very happy for that and does that come from a the kind of shared vocabulary that you have and the 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 better understanding of what each player will do in any given moment um yeah and also just us like knowing this music uh, for such a long time now and playing it for so many times that we just look for for new things 
Um, by the way, the, the tunes themselves uh, sometimes evolve, even after the recording of, of, of the album. Um, for example, even last night I was sitting with, with uh, Jonathan here, with my friend Jonathan, who were at his place today, and we were listening to uh, the small show that I was just telling you about, and I realized that at one of the melodies um, on, on Inner Peace, actually, um, someone played a note, it was a D, um, where the D, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't written anywhere, and it caused... Um, like a, a new chord change almost so i took the guitar and i played and i realized hey there's another chord progression that's hiding here so hopefully next time we play i'm going to introduce that and we're going to play that as part of the composition um this is this is how i i see uh the evolution of the tunes it, it just keeps going even after the album is is completed Are you already thinking about what your next record might be? Uh, yes, but there's nothing uh, coming up yet. I know for sure that I want to do another album uh, of this kind of music. Uh, I have more songs, uh, similar band, maybe a few changes, but um, I really think that there's more to say um, with this color, with this style of, of music that I write. Other than that, there's, there's some other projects that um, I started thinking about with different groups, with different kinds of compositions, um, but it's very early. Sure. Right now. <laughs> yeah, right now, I'm, 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 I think this, is, this album was just born, so I'm kind of uh, seeing where, where, where it takes me. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great idea. Um, are you still based in Boston now, or are you... I'm actually making in... the move okay. these days to New York. It's not an easy move, but uh, this is what I'm I'm doing. I'm, I hope that in the, in the next even two months I'll be I'll be here. And is your idea that you'll come to New York and try to play your own music as much as possible, or that you'll put yourself in other situations? Um, both, both. I really want to play in other people's projects. I also think it's good. For you know, for the well-being of a musician, you gotta do your stuff and you gotta do other people's stuff. Um, but also, like being in in other other situations uh, helps you know, helps my music, helps me write better music, gives me more ideas, and also gives me more um, musicians, you know, to play with. The, the option of calling more musicians. Are there some people along the way that you've played with that you feel were? important moments for you in, in your development as a musician and as a writer? Uh, you mean in, in Boston? Anywhere. Uh, well, there's 
definitely definitely everyone I've played with has some sort of influence on me. Um, teachers, uh, I've had great teachers in the last uh, two years. Uh, I've studied with uh, Frank Karlberg, uh, composition at, at NEC. Also, um, I studied with, uh, with Miguel Zinan and uh, Ken Chaphorst is the head of the jazz department in, in NEC. Mm -hmm. They've all taught me a lot about uh, composition and, and helped me really open my, uh, my composition chakras, <laughs> you can say that. Um, and other than that, just musicians around me. Um, you know, the, the latest e examples, uh, Steve Brickman, you, his, his musical taste, uh, you know, even the music he listens to, he, you know, we, we, we sit down, he, he plays some music for me. He has, uh, so much to give and, and, and definitely he influenced the way, the way I see music. Uh, again, the other musicians in the band, again, uh, Shai Maestro, uh, Ziv, um, Avri, Itamar, he's always, uh, Itamar and I, we always, when, when we meet, we, we listen to music and that gives me ideas. And and that's pretty much it. Have you had a chance to play this music in Israel yet? Uh, I have um, a long, long time ago, mm. last summer. Um, hopefully, next time I'll be there. Sometime this summer, um, I will play uh, the full full album live. Uh, whenever that happens, yeah. It it must. Uh, I assume it felt good when you were there last summer to be able to say. At least, you know, to show I, I went, you know, to the States yeah. and here I am back and I've kind of matured into this musician. Yeah, it's, you know, just just playing my music live is is um, is something that I'm very lucky to be able to do. And doing it in Israel is even bigger uh, for me. And I mean, the last time I was there was was about a year ago. So. Not to say it's distant, but it kind that that has I have been so in so many experiences that it kind of feels distant to me. Sure. So I forgot what it's like, kind of. Right. And so I I can't wait to to get back there and and see what it feels like uh, to play again. Now you know having having the album ready, you know, and be and be able to sell it and and give it to people. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What is the live jazz scene like in Israel? I don't really really know anything about it. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. There's, it, it it does evolve around the the high school scene for sure, uh, at least in some part, because um, there's a lot of kids who love music. There's a lot of kids who play. Um, every time I go, even on Facebook, you see um, all these people who are in high school now who um, post their music online, and I'm like, wow, these these kids. They're 16, 17, and, and they're gonna be the big names in a few years. You know, so it's, it's very exciting, um, to see that people are like that. And I think most of it is because those people go to, to these schools, to Tel Mayalin, and there's a few other schools, uh, around Tel Aviv that have, uh, very good jazz majors. And also there's a lot of shows. There's a few clubs, um, in Tel Aviv where people play. There's always good music to check out. Um, people are, are also very open-minded in Israel. There's a lot of styles. There's a lot of, um, um, also a lot of artists come to Israel to play. Um, 
so we get good exposure. We get, we, we, we listen, we, we just hear a lot of good music in Israel. The weather helps. It's always good weather. People are always out, uh, to check out music, to party. Um, that's what it's like pretty much. That's what I've been doing before I came to, uh, to, to America. I was just hanging in Tel Aviv, listening to music, playing music, going to sessions. Uh, there's a lot of jam, uh, jam sessions, going to the beach <laughs> with fellow uh, jazz musicians, play backgammon on the beach, go eat hummus. That's, that's what it is, you know? Sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the last track here is dedicated to your grandfather. Can you say something about it? Uh, yeah. Th- th- this track was actually the only track that I wrote um, during my Berkeley days. It was mm. my last, I think my last semester at Berkeley, I was studying class with a uh, saxophonist, Rick DiMuzio. And his class was very interesting. He had a few topics where um, the first half of the lesson you would... Um, do something that is performance oriented and then you would take sometimes even the same topic and talk about it uh, about composition so our uh, final project was simply to write a tune uh, using things that we learned uh, in in the class and that's where I decided I, w- I was going to take this small idea that I have um, that I wrote around the time uh, my grandfather uh, passed away, um, and evolve it into into a tune using you, this final project. Um, and it was first of all, it was an emotional process because it was around the time uh, he passed away. So um, it's funny to say it helped because it, it really evokes all these emotions and they translate very easily into music. Um, and also, uh, so- something about my experiences with my grandfather, um, they have this flavor to them um, that all I needed to do was just translate into musical notes. It was very, 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 very easy to do. My guest is composer and guitarist Nadav Remez, and his new album on Brooklyn Jazz Underground Records is called So Far. It's been a pleasure to meet you and to hear this music. Thanks very much. Thank you.
That's music from Nadav Remez from his album So Far on Brooklyn Jazz Underground Records. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock and presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Links to subscribe to this show in iTunes or an RSS reader are available at thejazzsession.com. You can also stream the episodes right there. You can download MP3s of the episodes. All of that is for free. You can follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, or J-A-Z-Z, as my, my old friend Steve from Tucson always said before we played. Let's play some J-A-Z-Z. Uh, so J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H is the, uh, the Twitter handle. There's also a Facebook fan page, and all those links are at thejazzsession.com, along with the links to join the show. So that's it. Please get out there and support live jazz and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz with Matt's parents on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye.